Hello and welcome to the Isle of a Splatter podcast. Uh, this is Amy, your co-host, and I have Adrian here. And today, for this episode, we are going to talk about the Rage colon Carry Two, directed by Cat Shay. Woohoo! The Woo! Rage. Yes. Romeo and Juliet, a tale of star-crossed lovers pulled apart by their families, by society, and some might say, by fate. Now, why is it that we are so moved by love that ends with separation? I don't know that I believe in it. Believe in what? Love. Who would love her? perfectly normal to be afraid of turning out like your parents. Is that scary for you? All your life, you've known that you were different. It must be nice not to be like everybody else. Sometimes I really wish I could just be one of the shiny, happy people, you know? Come on, this girl's just a sketch. You don't even know her. What, you do? Yeah, I do, do know her. The others don't understand you. At least be seen with someone cool, someone who counts. Maybe somebody needs to teach it to them a little lesson. And they, Rachel, don't want you around. If you want to talk out your feelings, no! Well, to hell with them. So you want to know how I'm feeling today? was growing up did you ever see objects move by themselves what is wrong with this picture you've heard of carrie white haven't you 73 people died night of the prom next semester terror Um, listen, this is not the greatest movie, but they cannot all be gems, my <laughs> friends. Uh, and there are very specific reasons why this movie is is the way it is. Uh, this is from 1999, so kind of on the, the cusp of, you know, that weird... I always feel like it's this weird area where somehow between, like, 1995 and 2003, like, all the fashion stayed the same and all the music essentially sounded exactly the same. Yes, yes. <laughs> I don't know why that is. I so weird. Yeah. It, yeah, we were in a time loop. Yeah, it was all, like, skinny eyebrows and uh, <laughs> spaghetti strap dresses that were, that had, like, no room for hips whatsoever. Yep. Even though I was, you know almost 30 when this movie came out um i was very into the main character's look like i was really into it oh so. yeah i mean i was i was much younger and like that was the aspiration you know mm -hmm. like uh, i want to i mean i don't think she ever wore this exact outfit but like the like primo outfit i wanted to wear was like a white t-shirt with a spaghetti strap floral yes like sundress I had that absolutely. Oh yeah, I had like the the cropped white T shirt with the the black sundress and the daisies on it, like the maxi dress situation. I, I like I still love a 
black background with like a floral print over it to this day. And I do, I completely blame the ni- late, late 90s for that. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. So, um, so the rage, Amy, the how, rage. Like, what, do you, how did this movie come to happen? Oh boy. Well, <laughs> I'm a little loopy this morning, clearly. That when we've been talking about this movie, these movies, we've mentioned the director, but we haven't really talked that much about the directors themselves. And um, no. I kind of wanted to rectify that. Mostly so I can plug this amazing book, 1,000 Women in Horror, 1895 to 2018, by Alexandra Heller Nicholas, who is my idol. Um, and so I wanted to read to you this entry about Kat Shea uh, from the book. So, Kat began her career as an actor and then moved to writing and directing when she collaborated on the script for what would become the Roger Corman-produced The Patriot, 1986. Um, Shea made her acting debut in Cliff Bowles' television movie, The Asphalt Cowboy, in 1980, also appearing in a small part in Brian De Palma's Scarface in 1983. Her first overt connection to horror was playing one of Mother Bates' unfortunate victims in the Anthony Perkins-directed Psycho 3 in 1986. And the following year, she made her directorial debut with Stripped to Kill. As director and co-writer, Shea followed this with a 1989 sequel, Strip to Kill 2, Live Girls, and the vampire film, Dance of the Damned, that same year. Her mainstream breakthrough as a director was the psychological thriller Poison Ivy in 1992 that famously saw Drew Barrymore shed her good girl image once and for good. In 1999, Shea returned to horror with full force, directing The Rage, Carrie 2, the sequel to Brian De Palma's genre classic, Carrie, 1976. So there's a little background on Cat Shea. Um, interesting, interesting background. Uh, yeah. I do remember her in Psycho 3, because uh, I'm also kind of obsessed with the Psycho 2 and Psycho 3. Um, They're yeah. good, by the way. Those movies are good. They are good. Psycho 2 is way better than it gets credit for. I've heard... Uh, our, fr- our friends Anthony and Stacy at Gaylords of Darkness just did uh, an episode on Psycho 2, and it's it's amazing and provided some good mm-hmm. background there as to um, the relationship between Anthony Perkins and Meg Tilly on that movie, <laughs> uh, which is fascinating. I encourage you to go listen to it. And then um, Psycho 3, you know, was directed by Anthony Perkins himself, and it's very over the top, but I kind of love that about it. Yeah. They're all way better than they have any right to be, and they're all way better than they seem to like be perceived. Yes, it's a good, it's a good, it's a good franchise. <laughs> um, so yeah, so let's talk a little bit about the making of the Rage Colon Carrie too. Um, <laughs> so this movie actually started out as not a sequel to Carrie. Uh, it was originally written as its uh, own thing called The Curse. Um, and then sometime during the pre-production process, it got sort of co-opted into being a Carrie sequel. So started, mm-hmm. uh, started actual production in 1996 as Carrie 2 Say You're Sorry, which I don't know why I find that so hilarious, but I do. <laughs> um, and it sort of like languished around for two years without anything happening until um, they hired director Robert Mandel to take over. 
Um, so he started directing it, and then uh, this was in 1998, and then he mysteriously quit. Jay <laughs> was hired to step in and uh, and go for it. So really, I, I like to think of it as like she just had to work with what was already in place. You know, she couldn't make any major changes to the script or um, casting or anything like that. Like she just kind of had to like do it <laughs> with what was already yeah. there. Um, so that's a little bit of the background. I understand that they released a Blu-ray of this uh, within the last, I think like last year, last two years, that has Cat Shea commentary, and I'm now dying to get my hands on it and listen to her commentary so I can he- learn more about what it was like to sort of like step in and direct this yeah. movie. That would be fascinating. Yeah. So yeah, so I don't know who, like I don't know what uh, producer or studio head decided like, yeah, this curse movie seems fine, but it's about telekinesis. So let's just make it carry to <laughs> 23 years after the original carry. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, it, that, that was why I, I wanted to start by talking about that is because like it, you look at that title, you look at the story, you look at everything about it and you're like, Oh, this never was meant initially to be about Carrie at all like there's nothing about it that I mean a lot of the kind of like ideas are there you know sure it's telekinesis it's a girl being bullied but there's really nothing else about it that is Carrie like it everything that like is made to be Carrie ish feels like a studio saying like oh I see connections like we got to we can sell it if it's Carrie, which I don't know. I don't, I don't think, I mean, I don't know. I was pretty young in 99, but I don't think that helped sell it. I don't know if you have any information about that. Yeah. I mean, I don't think, you know, obviously by that time I had seen De Palma's Carrie and I loved it. And I don't, yeah. I mean, I, maybe it was like, maybe I, I paid more attention to it because it had that Carrie 2 title. Um, but honestly, mm-hmm. I think like I was just more like, Ooh, Emily Burgle. Who's that woman? She's, she looks good. I'd like yeah. to see her in a movie. <laughs> totally. Um, so like, you know, I, I don't think I had any expectations that it would be like a good sequel, but I was intrigued. Um, I seem to remember some kind of promotional material talking about Amy Irving returning as Sue Snell. And that kind of piqued my interest a little bit. I was like, oh, Okay, that yeah. could be interesting. Um, it turns out it's not, but, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> you know, I mean, props to Amy Irving for stepping back in when literally everybody else was like, no. So, like, yeah. that was another thing about the making of this is that Sissy Spacek was like, yeah, I'm not, you know, there's no way for me, one, there's no way for me to come back because I died, and two, I'm just not right. interested. But, yes, you can use my image, which worked out for them well, I guess, because there were a lot more flashbacks to the prom scene in Carrie in this than I had initially remembered there being. Yeah. Um, really just used as filler. I, I mean, I suppose you could, as a studio or as a producer or as a marketer in 1999, you probably could have thought like, well, maybe people haven't seen Carrie or maybe right. people need to be reminded about Carrie um, because it definitely, you know, during that time, the horror genre, yeah, I was having a, a resurgence, of course, because of Scream, you know, a few years earlier. Mm-hmm. And, um, but it still was like the genre that got ignored, you know, it wasn't, 
Um, you had the, you know, Silence of the Lambs and, and Misery and those things that had sort of elevated it a little bit, but it still was considered like a teenage genre. It still wasn't like a yeah. serious thing. So I think like it's possible that they could have been like, well, people might not even know about this De Palma movie, so we better remind them. Um, right. <laughs> so otherwise, right. I don't know. Otherwise, the, the flashbacks seem very pointless to me. <laughs> pointless and like, um, you know, the whole movie, I'll probably say this a few times, the whole movie has a very like music video feel. Yeah. You know, with the way it like changes uh, from black to white and the way that there's like the really spinny dolly shots, which I know are supposed to be a recall to the, you know, to carry. Mm -hmm. But there's a real music video vibe to a lot of this. So I don't know. Yeah, but um, yeah, but like tying to that, it's not like the soundtrack is any good either. So no. <laughs> <laughs> it's very, there's so much about this movie that is very incoherent, right? Like the plot line is mm -hmm. pretty incoherent. There's like a lot of stuff that just gets dropped that they never revisit. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure that the black and white device works. No. Um, for showing Rachel using her powers. And it was inconsistent as well. Like sometimes it would be black and white when she was using them and sometimes it wouldn't. So right. I don't really, I, I think that was Shay's way of injecting uh, Rachel's point of view into the movie. But mm -hmm. I, I don't think it worked. I mean, maybe in 1999 it was just like, little. this will be this cool artistic, stylistic thing that we do, you know? Um, yeah. But it didn't. Yeah. It didn't really work for me. <laughs> kind of made me be like, hmm. Uh, and yeah, it did seem kind of music video-y. Yeah, but not not in a way that like, oh, you know, like oh, what's his name? Who did Nightmare Four? Yeah, <laughs> Renny Harlan. Renny Harlan. Yeah. He, you know, he came from uh, music videos, and you see that like kind of way of conveying information in every one of his shots right. but it works i mean you know nightmare 4 isn't necessarily you know oscar worthy but it's a movie <laughs> you know and you see it like he mapped that over really well whereas this i feel like i mean i don't know what robert mandel put into place right. so he could have also already shot things like that and she could have been just going along with that but yeah there's like a music video style without it being like the director's style you know? Yeah, that's why I'm dying to hear that commentary now that I know exists. So I got I feel like I got to rent it from Scarecrow and and get that in there. For sure. Yeah, we we should do a follow-up. It like a little 5 minute. Yeah. At the end it. of an episode. Let's do it. We'll plan it. Cool. Um so yeah, so like, you know, <laughs> clearly trying to make a connection where there isn't necessarily a connection. But right. Um I do want to say, uh, because I, I did read this bloody disgusting article where they revisited it and they were talking about how it was a little ahead of its time. And I have to agree um, mm -hmm. that in 1999, when I saw this movie even, I wasn't really sort of picking up on this. You know, like, I get that the jocks are assholes. Um, I mean, I always thought jocks were assholes. So this is not a shocker to <laughs> me, you know? Like, right. No. Like, I was a... a new wave punk slash goth kid in high school. So jocks were always assholes. Like they always treated me like shit. Um, I was Lisa and Rachel, you know? So like, mm -hmm. it's not a surprise to me. It's just like, I probably just wasn't picking up on these sort of larger themes of guess what? Smash the patriarchy. 
smash fuck, fuck the, the patriarchy. patriarchy. Just like literally <laughs> everything we talk about, right? Our entire lives. <laughs> fuck the patriarchy. Yep. So I wasn't, I, you know, I think like it, it being somebody who was also like trapped in a bad marriage and like trying to figure out who I was and all these things during this time. I don't think I was picking up on those larger themes, but now I'm like, oh shit. Yeah, it was like really ahead of its time in that way. They're fucking dick bags who sexually assault women. And, um, you know, we're gonna let this woman have her revenge on them and it's gonna be bloody and it's gonna be funny and it's gonna be shocking, you know, because and there's one thing that this movie does do well. It's this culminating end scene where all of the murdering happens. So, mm -hmm. <laughs> like... All the horror, really. Yeah, all of the... There's very... There's really nothing else that happens. Um, Rachel, Rachel, <laughs> like... <laughs> I know. That, I'm sorry. That's really so nothing funny else that shady. happens in the whole movie. Um, no, but, like, you know, we see Rachel flex a few times, like, just enough to get Sue Snell concerned about it. But it's nothing gory happens until the last like uh 15 minutes 10 minutes maybe mm -hmm. um dive in um with this movie so <laughs> we start again you mentioned this music video. this this beginning feels very music video to me right mm -hmm. you've got this woman and she's uh first of all they open on like this red paint it's very obvious that it's paint but it also is like oh it's dripping all over it could be blood you know <laughs> yeah. um so you've got this woman sort of haphazardly slapping red paint on the walls while muttering to herself uh, is uh, the main character's mom, Barbara, played by J. Smith Cameron, who, by the way, J. Smith Cameron is one of my favorite actresses, and she's not well known, and I fucking love her. She's on Succession right now as Jerry, and she oh. kills it on that show. Um, so anyway, she's painting like this big sort of red border around the living room and it seems, you know, she's praying and so you get this sense like she's similar to Carrie's mom, uh, Margaret in the first movie, but there's something a little bit different about her, right? Like she's mm -hmm. definitely religious, but who knows how far it, it goes and, and we don't, we never find out really because they don't really, <laughs> they don't really nope. dive into her character very deeply. Yep, I, I don't even understand the, like, mechanics of what happens there. Because, like, let's talk, like, I know you're about to explain mm -hmm. it, but, um, you know, she's painting, her daughter comes in and is like, will you play with me? And then she, like, touches the paintbrush to her daughter's cheek. She doesn't exactly, <laughs> like, slap her. Yeah. She just kind of, like, touches her with paint and then smashed to her being, like, arrested restrained yeah. <laughs> yeah and taken to the mental hospital uh which is named arkham asylum by the way which i'm just yeah. like wait a minute um so <laughs> i don't know i know maybe everybody just names everything arkham asylum but um <laughs> yeah i don't really know i feel like it was supposed to be a slap and maybe that was like a production thing like like maybe jay cameron smith was like i can't like physically slap this little girl you know like yeah um, yeah, yeah. so maybe she just held back a little bit and that was the shot they got and then that was it. Um, so yeah, I don't know. Yeah, you're right. It just like quickly cuts to Barbara being hauled off to the asylum. I think they even show her in like a straight jacket or strapped to a gurney or something. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and then the police officer, you know, tells her like, we're going to put you in a home where you'll have a loving family. And I'm, you know, you're just like, yeah, that's not going to happen. Um, yeah. and it doesn't. Right. So we transition into meeting Rachel, who's now a teenager, and she's in this pretty crappy foster home situation. 
Um, oh, she has her dog. So they, they showed a dog at the beginning, this puppy. He's such a cute, like, <laughs> uh, basset hound. Um, and he's with her now. And so, you know, we meet, we see her in the morning. She's got, like, colored hair, which, like, in 99, I feel like having colored hair was, like, a big deal. Like, now yeah. everybody has colored hair. But she has, like, kind of, like, a red pink streak in her hair Um, she's got like an alternative look yeah um and after an interaction with her crappy foster family (laughs) it's like (laughs) her dad like i i mean i appreciate that they didn't make her stepdad like rapey like he's just kind of mean you know he's just yeah like a dick um like he's like don't have the dog in the house and then he like mentions that they have three hundred dollars they get three hundred dollars a month for having her there or whatever um and her mom seems like better maybe but also very busy and overworked so she doesn't really have time for her it's a half gesture yeah. right and I, th- I i appreciate it because like for them to be monsters would be so cliche but they're they also aren't i mean they're irritating but they're not right like they're not a inciting factor you know like yeah they don't get they don't get uh, murdered it, they're just like they're, no they don't get murdered yeah. they don't seem like she's going to murder them she's fine with them to one degree or another like i don't know having them be a little bit more threatening i think would have helped yeah probably know. like i don't know it i mean it's fine they just kind of fade out into the background <laughs> they don't really have exactly. much else to do um exactly he slaps her later or whatever but it's not even like again like the slap is not even that it's just like okay like i feel like my mom right. slapped me harder than that <laughs> when i talk yeah. back to her you know <laughs> when you see it happen you're like oh has this already happened like yeah I know this cliche so well. Totally. That, yeah. Yeah, it's not surprising. So Rachel um, uh, Rachel gets on the bus and meets up with her gothy friend, Lisa, played by Amina Savari. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, on the bus, and Lisa is, like, super happy. And then, you know, eventually Rachel digs it out of her that Lisa had sex this weekend. Um for the first time, but she won't say who the guy is, but she's just so happy. She's going to meet him for lunch later. Um, she's just like floating, as you do when you're a teenage girl and you think that a boy loves you. So, or, and or when you have sex for the first time, because it feels pretty amazing. But, right. <laughs> but uh, yeah. anyway, so they get there, uh, we get to the high school and we meet the popular football jocks, like pretty much right away. By the way, I was looking up tropes in this movie and I found this term hate sink jerk jocks, <laughs> which I f- wait, say that again, hate sink jerk jocks. Um, it's two separate tropes. I fucking love it so much, especially together. So hate sink is basically describing characters that are so awful that you just want them to die, like that your whole motivation for looking at them is wanting them to die. And then jerk mm. jocks is just the trope of, you know, every jock is a total asshole, which, as previously stated, I kind of agree with. So, yep. um, but yeah, hate sink jerk jocks. I love it. I love that. <laughs> love it. Thank you, trope makers. I like it. Mm-hmm. Um, so we meet Mark, who is like the alpha and who honestly looks like he's 30. I swear to God. He's like, he looks so oh, I old. Come on. Uh, Eric, his second in command, that's Zachary Ty Bryan for us home improvement watchers. Um, <laughs> he was also in Tokyo Drift, by the way, which is a piece of truth. Mm. Just briefly. Um, Chuck, who we barely see, uh, but here's an interesting detail. Chuck 
is played by Eli Craig, who directed Tucker and Dale versus Evil. <gasps> Interesting. Um, so he's like he's really like the the guy that you don't really see that much. He's kind of in the background. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then Jesse, who is you know the beautiful baby faced Jason London. Um, oh, and Brad. I forgot Brad, because of course there's a Brad. Um, Brad is sort of like the third in command, I guess I would say. He's just kind of like the party guy. Um, And uh, so those are the jocks. What's interesting to me is she does do this thing, even though they're hate saint jerk jocks. (laughs) (laughs) Jesse, of course, is the guy who's a little bit different. Um, Mm -hmm. And he notices, you know, Rachel. He's obviously kind of into her, but like his jock friends don't jive with it. So also Eric, uh, Zachary Ty Bryan, uh, kind of looks at Lisa in this longing way. And he kind of smiles, you know, he's like happy to see her. But then yeah. Mark is like, oh, what a couple of dogs, you know, the way that teenage mm-hmm. boys do. Um, basically implying that like, you know, woof woof, who would want to have sex with those girls? They're so ugly. Yeah, because they're, like, alternative, right? They're not cheerleaders, and they're not wearing, like, the standard high school girl uniform. um, Once he says that, you see Eric's face change, right? So even though Eric is a total jerk jock, he still, like, had this moment of, like, oh, I really like that girl. And then when his, like, gross best friend, like, dragged on her, he was like, oh, I can't like her anymore. Exactly. So, (laughs) yeah, cave into the peer pressure. Um. So this is a kind of a, like an interesting little detail that I sort of appreciate. I'm like, all right, well, I like when there's layers and people aren't just all one thing or the other. Although Eric definitely morphs right into that straight up yeah. evil person. Um. But, but that's kind of more like it's even more interesting that way, though, where it's like, oh, the second he knows he has to toe the line, mm-hmm. he's willing to just drop whatever feelings he had and whatever personality or opinion. Right. So he you know, which same. is very teenage. Exactly. Like that is how it works. Yeah, it totally you know? is. Um, so yeah, and then they kind of like in this scene they hint around about the game, but you don't really know what the game is quite yet. So mm-hmm. they're playing these boys. In addition to football, they're playing some kind of game, uh, having to do with the the females in the school. Uh, so on <laughs> in like the darkest high school ever. I don't know if they didn't have budget for lighting or. <laughs> Right? Did you notice this? <laughs> yes. Yeah, and it got darker a couple times, like, when they were, like, which I think was maybe a style choice, on top of it just being too dark. I'm like, how uh, are they walking around like, in the hallway? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I know. I know. And then, but, like, it gets worse when Mina Savari is, like, the camera's following her and she's obviously upset. Right. It gets, like, comically dark, <laughs> but not stylistically where you're like what did they turn off the lights <laughs> yeah, it totally it just seemed like they just didn't have the lights on inside the high school yeah which um, yeah so you see inside the very dark high school uh you see that lisa is now pretty despondent and she's you don't know why but you can see like her attitude is completely changed Um, And she's walking around with her poetry notebook. Um, She goes up to the roof where apparently they have a full garden. She's like, great. Very like gracefully falls over the edge and kills herself, Um, which we will see several times throughout the movie. They they really like to repeat that scene. Um, 
So, I mean, it is, it's, it's an interesting thing because it's very beautiful. Like she really very gracefully just like swans out over the edge and like her poetry like floats around her and flutters down, you know. And then there is, I guess this is the only other time we see some gore is that uh, she lands on a car and there's, you know, quite a bit of blood. Um, finds her almost immediately because there's a gathering of kids around it. Um, right. So this is her best friend. Like, this is her ride or die, you know? And she is sad, but she also does this weird thing where she, like, touches her blood. <laughs> I'm just, I don't know. I don't know what's happening here. No. I, like, I don't think, I, I don't, I feel like she would be more upset. I, I think there's a line where, like, Sue Snell comes out. This is where we meet, you know, Sue Snell comes out. She's the counselor. Um, mm -hmm. And... Uh, she grabs Rachel and takes her back to her office to talk about it. And like, I think Rachel even says like, I don't cry. And I'm like, what? I, what? <laughs> like, yeah, I know. Why is the plot point? What is happening? <laughs> like, what is going on? Yeah, it's all half gestures about like, um, like some adult's idea of what like a 90s goth oh, teen yeah. is. You yeah. know? Sue Snell is like kind of just trying to console her and then I think like the coffee cup moves or I can't remember she's drinking tea or something and the coffee cup moves and then Sue Snell's like <gasps> you know mm -hmm. Carrie flashback mm -hmm. immediate Carrie flashback um so she gets a little hint about Rachel's telekinetic powers uh which Rachel doesn't appear to know herself by the way there's never really um at any point except for the end scene where she realizes that it's her doing it I feel like I feel like it's like there's something in her that thinks it's like not her or that it's happening to her rather than her doing it there there's no yeah that's that that was how i took it as mm -hmm. well but there is no conversation or like um there's no time spent in the movie to like investigate her feelings right. about her her it at her all. herself right she just denies mm -hmm. it yeah girl commits suicide and then sue snell gets on the the uh intercom system which is also a television at this high school and says like oh this you know lisa killed herself so we're just gonna have a moment of silence i'm like wouldn't you just send everybody home like yep why would you continue yep. to have a regular school day when somebody killed themselves on somebody else's car and like yeah. assuming there's got to be an investigation and the police and the corner like there's a lot of steps that have to happen here her yeah, parents. Nope, nope, just a moment of silence. Go back to class. <laughs> yeah. So also just <laughs> totally weird and I don't get it. Uh, it's not really explored. <laughs> no, it's, it's, it's a, it is an A to B to give the main character like some sort of reason and agency to understand what these jerk jocks are yeah. doing and then like tie her eventual rage back into right. that. Like it's it's very surface. So yeah, so um, so Sue also is like does have some inkling of this game that these jerk jocks are playing, and the goal is to have sex with as many girls as possible. And then the game is whenever they do have sex with these women, they log it in a notebook with a point system, um, and presumably the higher. The hotter the girl is, the more points they get, I think, is the, mm -hmm. the gist of it. I think that's the gist, yeah. but as we learn later, like, it, it's arbitrary, yeah. right? Like, yeah. 
if you sleep with a girl and she said that she was lesbian, oh, you might get more points. Oh, like boy. that's literally yeah. what happens with with our main character. Yeah, but so it's an arbitrary point system. Snell sort of puts it together that there's something going on with these jerk jocks, and I love saying that by the way. And they're like, uh, because she's had other girls in her office crying about things, and she doesn't really know about what, but she suspects is related to them, and so. She tells the sheriff this when he's investigating the suicide and the sheriff is basically like, well, I don't know what you want me to do about that. You know, like, yeah, what? Um, And then the high school boys sort of get wind of this because as it turns out, Eric is 18 and Lisa was 16. So it's statutory rape and he could be charged. So they get wind of this and they realize that Lisa took a photo of Eric and her together. Um, so they need to find that photo and like get rid of it, get rid of the evidence so that nobody knows that Eric was connected to her in any way, right? Mm-hmm. Even though her name is written in the book. So <laughs> <laughs> he scratched it out though. It's totally fine. Oh, he scratched yeah. it out with like two pencil marks. Um, so <laughs> it's still readable, but it's fine. Don't worry about it. So as it turns out, Rachel works at the photo mat, which hey, there used to be this place where you had to take your physical camera film to be processed and it would take like at least 24 to 48 hours. <laughs> yep. So Rachel is processing the film that Lisa had given her earlier that day. This is all the same day also, by the way. Let's talk about the, the timeline of this movie is like less than a week. It basically like yeah. starts on uh tuesday i think it ends on friday or starts on a monday and ends on friday so one week one week is the timeline um same day as her best friend killing herself she's working at her photobat job in the kiosk and uh mark and jesse pull up in mark's fancy convertible to try to woo the film out of her which is just like I guess if you were a jerk jock who looked like they were 30, you'd think that you could just beg anybody. And so, (laughs) yeah, he basically, like, he tries to buy the film off of her, and she says no. And then he tries to be like, how about if I come take you out? And I'm like, this is never going to work. And it doesn't. No. Um, And instead of just doing, like, you know, I was hoping she would do sort of like the Andy line from Pretty in Pink, like, I have some taste. Um, when he asks her why not, she calls herself a slur and um, a mm-hmm. lesbian slur, which I'm not going to repeat her. It just made me cringe, you know, just like, yes, because, um, <laughs> yep. you know, it, I feel like if the character had actually been queer, like maybe you can make an allowance for it. But it appears that she's straight. So I was not into this declaration at all even though i recognize that it's like 1999 people probably thought it was funny whatever totally or like oh like look at her she's getting one over on him yeah 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 yeah. Um, it's it's pretty toned up when that doesn't work then mark and brad and i guess that one guy whose name i can't remember because he's barely in the movie uh they go to her house and they start terrorizing her and this is this is where i was like oh wait a second. So they're like banging on the windows and they're screaming her name and she's home alone running around in a red towel, which I think is supposed to be symbolic in some way. And, uh, <laughs> and she's, in some yeah, way. <laughs> and she's scared. 
and who knows what anything in this movie means. She's scared, um, and Mark calls her on his cellular phone, and, like, he, at, he, because Scream had come out, you know, before this, and he actually, like, recites the, like, what's your favorite scary movie line, which I'm mm-hmm. sure they thought was really clever, but now I'm just like, oh, okay. But what's even yep. weirder, Adrian? Hmm. He talks in a Donald Duck voice. <laughs> I know. I don't. I that blew me away. I was like, uh, "What? <laughs> like, is this a reference to something I don't know? Like, like was there something happening in like ninety seven, ninety eight? No, it was like a Donald just, Duck resurgence. No. I, <laughs> <laughs> I think it's just something the actor could do. But like, why is it scary? I don't. <laughs> It's not. It's 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 silly. It's stupid. It's like the most ridiculous thing, and it completely took me out of whatever moment I was supposed to be feeling. I yep. just I was just like, I don't. What is happening right now? Mm-hmm. Like he's threatening her, and then he's he'll suddenly like slip into this Donald Duck impression. Um, it's so weird and out of place. Yep. Uh, and then Eric decides he's gonna beat her up i guess so he puts on breast knuckles which like by the way a weird moment where like i think it's brad is like suddenly taken aback by this as if like threatening her life and threatening to rape her and like terrorizing her is one thing but whoa when you put the breast knuckles on that's like a step too far <laughs> you know so yeah. like uh yeah so it was just kind of, that was also like a weird like eric decides to go aggro and beat the crap out of her moment but fortunately, when he's trying to get into the house, Rachel activates her telekinetic powers and slams the window on his hand so he doesn't get in. But then we have, like, another weird moment where she, like, calls the cops. Right. Um, and she's talking to them, and they're t- supposedly talking to her. And then, like, her step-parent or her foster parents arrive home, and then she suddenly decides to just forget it. And I guess the cops are like, great, whatever. <laughs> Yeah, they they just don't send a car. She doesn't tell her step parents. They're like, "What the hell happened to the window? Because it's broken." Yeah. And she's like, "How, How should, should I, know? I know?" It's oh yeah, because they threw a brick through the window. And so like, it's such a weird, disconnected stream of events. Like, why would the cops just be like, "Oh, I guess she's she says she's fine now, so we don't need to go out there." Um, yeah, and the and it's sorry, oh go, go no, ahead. you go, you go. I was going to say, it's just a missed opportunity, too, because there's a lot of, like, dramatic potential there with the, the step-parents. So, you know, you can have the step-parents come in and force the issue, and you could still have her not want to tell them. You know, that that feels right for, like, a teen who's just trying to, like, like get through the, the teen experience. And, like, that exchange where they try to pull, pull it out of her and she's trying to deny it, mm-hmm. you know, that can just help add tension to, like you know, the final rage, right, right? right? But instead, it's just like, well, let's just, let's just deflate attention. Let's just move <laughs> yeah. on. That happened, and it's over now. Um, we do also get to see uh, sweet boy Jesse, our romantic lead, participating in the game, which is gross, mm-hmm. right? So he's uh, he's with the popular girl, Tracy, who's just, like, total mean girl. There's, like, nothing redeeming about this girl. She is, like, straight up, like, obsessed um Mm -hmm. they're having sex in his car and then when jesse gets out of his car they pull back to reveal that the rest of the boys are watching from mark's car right and he like spins her panties around in this like hilarious gesture and they write it in the book 
and they're laughing and it's also like Tracy knows like she she sees them and flips them off so I'm like okay so she's like actively participating in that I don't know I don't know yeah that also was crazy because there's like a shot of her being like I'm surprised I'm like but they're blasting music and screaming they've been there the whole time like whoop whooping like you know like yeah and they were doing that before y'all were done like what yeah Yeah. it's and so anyway it's so gross and like I I definitely don't feel like anything Jesse does later redeems him for this like he's no he's complicit in this act you know and he clearly doesn't give a shit about Tracy. I mean, they, they prove that almost immediately, you know? Yeah. Um, and so for Rachel and Jesse to get closer, then we have this scene where Rachel's dog, the uh, aforementioned basset hound, Walter, Walter, Walter escapes the yard and starts running down the street. And as um, Rachel is looking for him, he gets run over by a car. Walter. Uh, and then Jesse just happens to find them in the middle of the road when he's driving back very angrily from Tracy's, which is like, also doesn't make any sense, right? So he's yeah. like had sex with this girl that he doesn't give a shit about. He's dropping her off at her house because he's a nice guy. And uh, <laughs> he like spins out of her giant mansion driveway, like driving very fast. Like he's mad. Like he's mad at himself for having, I don't know. He's mad at himself for yeah. having sex with her. I don't know. I guess it's, like, supposed to convey that he feels guilt about being a part of. I, like, that's what I assumed they were trying sure. to convey without a single line. Right. Like, okay, so apologize <laughs> to her. I don't know. Apologize to her about it. You know, like. Yeah. But no, that never happens. So <laughs> so nope. he takes uh, he takes Rachel and Walter to the emergency vet. Um, and, the, and she's like, oh, he's a nice guy. Not knowing that he, like, mm-hmm. literally just had sex with this girl. Um, and then he takes her to a diner to have coffee and french fries, which I'm just like, I don't, I cannot. But (laughs) when they pulled back to the table and showed the french fries and the coffee, I was like, no. (laughs) (laughs) No. (laughs) I don't know why that's so funny. (laughs) It's these little things that really bother me, Adrian. Sorry. That's okay. <laughs> I knew it was ridiculous when I said it. So um, it's clear that uh, Jesse's really into her immediately. Obviously, this is, again, this is like Tuesday or something. So it's like, you know, mm-hmm. not that yesterday her best friend committed suicide. Today she's having coffee and french fries at the diner with a jerk truck. While her dog is getting emergency surgery. <laughs> While her dog is getting emergency surgery. He's, he's going to be okay, though. The doctor did come out and say that he's going to be okay. Yeah. Stay at school, uh, Jesse and Rachel are kind of hanging out, and so, like, Tracy is, like, just seething, um, talking to her friends, Monica, played by Rachel Blanchard, um, who played Cher in the Clueless television show, and, uh, Mm. this other girl whose name I don't even think they ever mention, um, (laughs) yeah, the other girl who gets in the car with them later, uh, that, who's apparently, like, also best friends with Tracy and Monica, but who cares what her name is? I couldn't even find it in the credits, actually. Right. I was like, I can't tell which one of these girls she is. Um, yeah. Sort of turning with these mean girls about how they're going to get back at uh, Rachel for mm-hmm. stealing Jesse away from Tracy. Un- unbeknownst to them that Tracy was just like a conquest and not a girlfriend. So, you know, whatever. Teenage girls, it happens. Yep. It it legit happens yep. that way. Um, 
so then Jesse and Rachel go on another date, and this is like I almost like threw up a little bit watching this scene where this is I guess their way the script's way of putting Jesse apart right making him a little bit different than these jerk jocks mm-hmm. said he tells Rachel it must be nice being different than everybody else <laughs> yep oh man so like I guess this is their way of being like oh look the jock is like he's rich and he's spoiled, but he's thinking about other people and he genuinely like hurts inside. <laughs> I know it's painful. <laughs> like what? Like what? And like why? <laughs> <laughs> that should be the tagline for this episode. <laughs> like what? And yeah. like why? Like what? Who thought that the? Raphael, why'd you put this in the screenplay? Like, why'd you think this was a good idea? To basically be like, oh, you're so alternative. I wish I didn't have the pressure of being a popular jock who was good at football. (laughs) I mean, it's not, it's that conflict and that kind of very reductive opinion actually isn't a bad place to start Mm -hmm. a scene. Like, you can have a character say that, but then take it somewhere. It's yet again a thing that's not explored. She has no opinion opposite to that. Nobody learns anything. (laughs) You know, like, the thing is, like, in a scene, you want people to be different at the end than where they started. It doesn't need to be better, right? Like, villains need to get worse. And, like, stakes need to get higher. But nobody learns anything. It's just, like, people Maybe that should be the, the tagline. Nobody learns anything. But, <laughs> yeah. but yeah, I mean, yeah, she. I think she says some lame thing that's basically like, uh, you know, something to the effect of like, it's not all it's cracked up to be or something. I don't know. Not quite that that wording, but she, yeah, she sort of barely yeah. acknowledges it. And then she makes it start raining. I think we're supposed to infer that she makes it start raining because he holds her hand. Yeah. And so yeah. they go back in the car, they start making out. Um, and then the, she does, you know, she sort of sheepishly reveals when he tries to go, get to second base that she's never had sex before. Again, let's remember that this is like Tuesday. So, <laughs> so <laughs> maybe Wednesday, but it's like somewhere in there. Um, yeah. Midweek. Midweek. She's known this boy for exactly like 24 hours at this point. So... <laughs> Not that I'm saying that's not realistic, because honestly, like, as a teenage girl, like, the, you, um, especially in that time, or, like, when I was growing up, like, this, this, the expectation is that if a boy pays attention to you, that you're going to have sex with him. Like, that's just what yep. is put upon you in society. You're female, they're male, you're going to have sex. Like, there's no other outcome that's possible. Yep. So, I mean, I do think, like, in that vein, it is pretty realistic in the, in terms of, like, the pressure for teens to have sex, the pressure for teenage girls to have sex, and sort of like the desire as a teenage girl to feel special and wanted mm-hmm. and, oh, the popular boys paying attention to me. Um, no matter how hard... Meanwhile, Miss Sue Snell um, has uh, been sort of investigating Rachel. She has a feeling, a sixth sense, if you will. Uh, mm-hmm. She goes to visit... Mother Barb at Arkham Asylum and finds out, <gasps> shocker, her dad is actually Ralph White. 
Ralph, who must have been. I know. He must have been hecka telekinetic. Right. So, so anyway, so Rachel is the half sister of Carrie, and that's why she has these abilities. But I out. She just, I basically just kidnaps Rachel. Not really, but she's just like, come with me. And Rachel's like, okay. And takes her to the burnt out high school from the original film, which I guess they've just left there for 23 years with all the debris <laughs> and like dangerous yep. shit around. I don't know why. I mean, I guess that might be a realistic thing in like a small town, but it, it looks pretty like Fresh. pristine. Yeah. Like, I yeah. think they would at least have picked up, like, the twisted metal. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes, you're right. Anyway, so, like, she tells her, the you know, the story about the black prom and uh, tries to basically, and B is like, you know, you're her half-sister. And Rachel's just, like, not into it. Mm-hmm. She's just like, no. <laughs> like, no. Nope. Yeah. That's not my dad. My dad is this person. My mom would never lie to me. Uh, and it's strange, this is such a weird, like, the, this whole scene is so weird, and, like, Sue's whole story is so weird, but she, like, tells Rachel that she needs treatment, and I'm just like, what do you mean treatment? Like, what treatment? for yeah. like, like, what are you talking about? She mentions, like, mysterious yeah, Princeton study, or I don't know. I'm just like, <laughs> I don't know where you're going with this, Sue. Like, I'm with Rachel at this point. Like, I just don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> so... And this is also, let's like take this moment, actually. This is a great moment to say there, I know, again, this is me being petty, but also not being petty. In all of these flashbacks, when we see the prom, Mm -hmm. um, presumably we're looking through Sue Snell's, like, memory. She was outside, right? And that's, (laughs) one, she was outside. Two, they don't remove the, like, voiceover that is meant to be in Carrie. Oh, yeah. So the, they're all going to yes. laugh at you. No one would have heard that. Like, it's <laughs> why I get why they kept it in, because it's very iconic. And fans of the original sure. will want to hear it. But, like, it makes no yeah, sense. Yeah, they bring that. They bring that. None. They're all going to laugh at you back in later for Rachel, which also doesn't make any sense because nobody ever said that to her. But cool. Um, exactly. <laughs> so yep. I guess, yeah, we'll, we'll talk about that when we get to it. But, oh, boy, what a mess. What a <laughs> mess. A mess. Um, <laughs> I still enjoyed watching it, though, but yeah, it is a mess. Yeah. Um, so anyway, also, like, uh, also, meanwhile, there's a lot of meanwhiles in this because they kind of jump all over the place in this movie. Um, the police are, mm-hmm. police are now involved in this game with the football team because they've arrested Eric, or they're attempting to arrest It's not really clear. They've called Eric in for questioning, I guess, um, mm-hmm. about him about this rumor that's going around that he had sex with Lisa because he's 18 and she was 16 and you know sort of inferring like oh you you probably caused her to commit suicide um so Eric's father is there the sheriff is there the assistant DA played by director Cachet by the way they're there um Mm -hmm. and this is where we hear the typical you know do you want to be responsible for ruining these boys lives Oh, that shit sent me. <laughs> yeah. yeah, come on. Who's responsible? Ugh. Who's re- They are. They're fucking responsible. Yeah. Tarnishing oh, young boys' fuck. reputation, yeah. right? That's yeah. the phrase. Oh. Yeah, so, like, so Eric's dad, like, pushes this point by, you know, because the assistant DA, uh, Kat Shea's mm-hmm. like, hey, uh, yeah, we need to prosecute for this. But 
his dad's like, oh, well, listen, if Eric goes down, everybody goes down. And that's like your whole football team. So if you want to... Like, who gives <laughs> yeah, a fuck? If you want to ruin the whole town's football team and reputation, you know. <laughs> so let's just say Ugh. it. Fuck the patriarchy. Fuck the patriarchy. patriarchy. <laughs> um, then it's basically like, uh, we're just going to let this go. Well, it's, we can't, we can't, we can't ruin all these boys' lives. Like, it's not worth it. That's mm. every prominent family in this town <laughs> yeah and so they just let it go um yeah so that brings me to the fact that something that uh, of something that i did not know until i was doing a little bit of research is that this little game is apparently based on a true story um which is horrifying, horrifying. It's not surprising to me, um, no. given what we've learned and, you know, given what I've learned in all of my time on this earth, but also what we've been learning and what's become more at the forefront of women telling their truth and speaking out about these things is that there was a real life uh, group of high school boys in California called the Spur Posse who used a point system to grade their sexual attacks and statutory rapes. Um, this was in 93, 1993. A number of them were arrested, but classically, prosecutors dropped all but one of the charges after being unable to prove that most of the encounters were non-consensual. Although, Got it. although there were girls as young as 10 involved in this. Um, and, like, and this was a case where like these boys, it wasn't just like as portrayed in this movie where they would sort of romance the girls and sleep with them and put them in this book. Um, this was like, they would terrorize these, these girls. They would show up at their house in the middle of the night. They would come to their bedroom window. They would force them to do things and they would threaten them with uh, violence or murder if they didn't comply. So this happened. Only one of them was ever charged. Um, and then all of these boys became kind of famous because they went on the tabloid talk show circuit. So... <laughs> It's so it's disgusting. so disgusting. It did give me like a little bit of new respect for this screenwriter for trying to work this in and trying to sort of address it in a revenge kind of way, you know. But I, yeah. I mean, I don't think it works. <laughs> but like, but no. yeah. So let's just like honestly, you know, this is just not. Let's just think about how this is not a one-time incident and how that there are scores of boys that have done this that are likely still doing this in high school and college yep and they're not facing consequences because women are afraid to speak up but also because like it's just like so hard to prove in court that they can't actually prosecute these men so yeah yeah so sorry like i don't mean to be a total bummer and bring that in but i felt like we needed to talk about it um so this is like a very real thing. This is like maybe one of the only sort of realistic things in this film, honestly, is this idea that these boys would be protected and there would be a cover up and like nobody would ever know about this. So really the only recourse for revenge is Rachel doing her thing at the end. Yeah, it is telekinetic destruction. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, I wanted to say there what 
is interesting to me, and this is just me making shit up, honestly, but what's interesting is I assume that the writer, like, if they were inspired by this um, horrifying event, probably had a, a much darker and more rich idea to start. Mm -hmm. And I, I just lament the studio, the obvious studio interference that went, oh, telekinesis, it has to be Carrie. Oh, you know, they clearly interfered at least to yeah. a degree. And you see that in the mess that is the movie. Again, I had a good time watching it. It has its place, but there's a more impactful film in there. Yeah. And then uh, these, these jerk jocks um, and the mean girls realizing that Rachel and Jesse are now an item uh, hatch a plan to uh, to get revenge on Rachel, ensure she's humiliated forever, and also ensure that she'll stay quiet and won't reveal, you know, what happened with Lisa and Eric. Mm -hmm. So, um, Mark, our 30-year-old high schooler, <laughs> gives <laughs> Jesse the keys to his parents' summer house um, so he can romance Rachel. And he does. He takes her over there and... Uh, it's a, this is, I did find this part to be a little realistic as well, because it's like, it's so cheesy and cliche, but it totally has happened to many a girl where, you know, they're virgins and, mm -hmm. you know, as a girl, you're like, oh, I don't know if I want to do it, but like, this boy's so cute and he's being romantic, like he brings her flower, he brings her the specific flowers that she said she liked and they're in this giant like house, mm -hmm. it feels very adult, right? They start making out, right. and she kind of stops him, and then he says, like, we don't have to do it now. We can wait. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, that's it. Mm -hmm. Then she's going to sleep with him. Because <laughs> there's, like, yep. there is yep. something about, like, saying the right thing that, as a teenage girl, your brain's like, oh, well, he really respects me, you know? So, um, mm -hmm. yeah, so they have sex, but unbeknownst to both of them, uh, <laughs> which... Also, I guess, I don't know, Mark's parents like to record themselves. I don't really, wasn't really understanding why. Yeah, like that was set up in yeah. advance, maybe? Yeah, like, so what? unbeknownst to know. them, um, Mark is recording them having sex. So, yeah, I guess maybe his parents are kind of kinky and they're, I don't know, they're into it. So they record themselves and Mark somehow knew that there was a setup in the master bedroom. Um so then uh, this blissful romantic night of losing her virginity um, sneaks back into her, tries to sneak back into her house and her foster parents catch her and ground her, which of course doesn't stop anything because whatever. Teenagers are experts when has in getting out of the house once they've been grounded. Um, yeah. And then now it's Friday and apparently there's a game in the middle of the day on Friday. Jonathan was like, wait, is this game at 2 p.m.? Like, what's happening? Like, I don't know, apparently. Yeah. Um, they have the game. Jesse emerges as the hero who scores the final touchdown in the tense final moments, which I guess they were broadcasting the high school game on the radio. I guess it really is a small town. They're broadcasting the high school game on the radio, kind of a Friday night right. light situation. And so Rachel's listening and she like runs out to get to the game and runs on the field and is able to, it's just such a dumb, weird moment too. Like they, Jesse's being like carried away by his teammates um, in victory. And it looks like, like they have Rachel actually run on the field and run up to the group, but then he doesn't, yep. I was like expecting him to get down and kiss her or something, but then that doesn't happen. They just, I guess, just carry him back to like, the locker room and then she's just standing there. They like yeah. point at each other. They just yeah, point at you, each other. It's very you. weird. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
you came. You want the kid to be there. So the popular kids have this whole thing planned where Jesse is delayed because a scout is talking to him in the locker room. Uh, he tells Brad to go out and tell her to wait for him. Brad comes out and says, oh, you know, Jesse said to just go ahead to the party. So in this car with Monica and the girl whose name, who doesn't have a name because who cares? And, and they arrive at the yep. party and like everybody's getting wasted, of course. And the jerk jocks, oh yeah, jerk jocks all shave their heads except Jesse because you can't have your leading romantic man with a shaved head. That's not going to fly. Um, right. So they're broing it out. Uh, they're getting wasted. They've got this whole plan. Um, they welcome Rachel with open arms, right? They're dancing with her. They're flirting with her. They're like, pick, which stuff? Cause she's like a very slight girl. Like she's very tiny, um, picking her mm -hmm. up and kind of throwing them over her shoulder. And I'm, and she's like laughing and I'm like, Oh, I would be so terrified right now if I was her. <laughs> and that, that stood out to me as a, as a slight woman yeah. and a slight girl. Um, people do that. They just, yeah. well, I, no one has picked me up in a long time because I would kill them. <laughs> But at, yeah. you, when you're young, they do that. It's so violating. It's and it is very scary because it just is a instant physical reminder mm -hmm. that, like, there's there's a physical difference and you are, are beneath me in yeah, this yeah. moment. Like, you have to submit. It's, yeah, not cool. Very, I mean, not triggering, triggering, but actually triggering. Like, oh, wow, oh, people yeah. do that. Like, I'm sure, I mean, ugh. like, because I used to be slighter than I am now and, uh, there was one guy that I was dating. My mom called Kidnapper Gary because, yeah, because Yikes. Kidnapper Gary at one point I was in my apartment. I opened the door and he's like, let's go on a date. And I said, no, and I didn't have shoes on or anything. And he did pick me up and take me out to his car and put oh me in his God. car. And my mom, like, and then, like, we, the door was just open. And so my mom was like, what the fuck? Um, and I had to, like, yeah. beg him to get bring me back to the house yeah jesus That's yeah and so it's just awful. like I'm men sorry. are just you know men just do that they're just like well it's a woman and i own her <laughs> so yeah like there's no thinking behind that that's just yeah. like that is society telling you yeah you can do that so uh Ew. yeah so rachel you know she's at the party she's having a good time then we flash back to jesse who whose car has been vandalized um, the, the tires have been slashed. There's graffiti on it as if the opposing team graffitied it. And, and then, oh, look, it's Tracy. Tracy pulls up in her convertible Beamer and offers him a ride. And then they do this weird thing, which I just was like, this is not necessary <laughs> at all. But they show her hand, like, outside the car, the driver's side on the opposite side, dropping a spray paint can. <laughs> and I'm like... Mm -hmm. No, like, we all knew it was Tracy. Like, you really did need to do that. Right. Right. So. Yep. So she takes him back to her house because she has to change. And that's like a deliberate delay so that whatever the jerk jocks mm -hmm. are going to do to Rachel can happen before Jesse gets there. Um, you know, and she's stalling. She's like getting half naked and parading around in front of him. And it's not working because Jesse's a good guy now. Um and right. so even though it's like literally like he slept with this girl on Monday, let's not <laughs> forget that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. he's over it. So um, so that's happening. And then, and then we get the big reveal at the party for Rachel. Um, so first mm -hmm. they like toss her the, the book with all the scores and they sort of explain to her like they're like, look, there's Lisa's score with Eric and, 
you know, look at this score and look at that score. And then they're like, why don't you turn to Jesse's page? Uh, you know, and then she like slowly turns to Jesse's page and sees that she's listed on there with 30 points. <sighs> As they put, I know, <sighs> I can't, I could barely like say this. But as they yep. point out to her, he got extra points for converting her from lesbianism. Mm-hmm. <sighs> yep. <laughs> it's terrible. It's just not necessary. It's just not necessary. But okay. Um, no. And then while she's no. processing this and like breaking down, they whip out the sex tape, which... I guess this house has giant screens all over, yeah. which I like also like Jonathan and I are like, wait, what? Cause like you didn't see them before this moment. They just sort of appeared. No. And they don't <laughs> they make don't... any sense. Like it's not a no. sports bar, but it's set up like it a sports is. bar. But like literally you didn't see them before. Like literally it just looked like a plain wall. And then suddenly there's like eight screens. I don't know. Um, so they, yeah. they, they show like, the, you know, a pretty graphic um, videotape of them having sex. Um, and then mm -hmm. that's when Rachel really starts to break down. And so because she she is like at this point, like, oh, fuck, he lied to me. Uh, he's part of this. He's a jerk jock. And yeah. so <laughs> so she mm -hmm. then they do this. <laughs> We forgot to mention, uh, sorry, I hate to, I'm sorry, I don't mean to go from like this like horrible thing happening to Rachel to laughing, but um, Rachel and Lisa had these matching tattoos, which are just awful. Um, they're yeah. like this weird, like elongated heart with barbed wire running through it, which I mean, I'm sure in 1999 was hella cool. But um, so her, as she starts to ramp up the telekinetic anger, <laughs> He's doing some black and white flashes. Her tattoo starts pulsing. <laughs> yeah, it's so weird. It's definitely weird. It looks weird. I was actually expecting it to look a lot shittier than it looked. Like I was, I was imagining yeah. that what I had remembered as a smooth animation would be really shitty. But no, it, it actually looks, uh, special yeah. effects wise, it it actually retains its like believability. I think, but. Yeah, they do totally. this thing where the barbed wire, as she sort of ramps up her anger, like, grows out of the tattoo and encircles her arms and then, like, crawls up her face in kind of a weird way. <laughs> and no one mentions no. it, though. The, it, or, or reacts to it, uh, even, I think really. Brad, I of. think it's Brad who, like, has a hold of her arm at this point and sees the tattoo mm -hmm. pulsing and then sees it crawl out of her. Is like, what the fuck? But that's it. Um, which I guess would make sense because then like from that moment on, from like the moment that she gets upright off the floor, chaos is yeah. happening. Yeah. yeah, it's chaos. Yeah. So. She <laughs> okay, fine. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, you know, like I do remember like when I saw that originally in 99, I was like, that's pretty fucking cool. But now I'm like, no, that's kind of dumb. But, <laughs> but you know, whatever. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so she she mad now. Um, so mm -hmm. she does like the thing where like Carrie did in the original, where she's slams all the doors shut and traps everybody inside and starts exploding shit. And then it's like they, it's basically like right out of the prom scene where like all of the kids start rushing 
to the doors and they yep. trample other people. There's even like a really graphic scene of like a, a girl getting stepped on and blood just like spurting out of her mouth. Um, and at the same time, this is starting to happen. Sue is breaking Rachel's mom out of the asylum, which is so weird. They even play like this weird like caper music. I don't know if you noticed that, but like, yes, like, what? Like the in the parking lot is like do 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 do, and I'm like, what is going on? <laughs> it's a whole. It's a tone shift that makes no sense. It's also a plot point it that makes, makes no sense and is unnecessary. It makes no sense. It's so dumb. I guess the feeling is mm -hmm. that uh, Sue Snell feels that the only person Rachel will listen to is her mom. So she goes to break her out specifically to bring Barb to Rachel in order for Barb to tell her, yes, your dad is Ralph White. And yes, you are the half-sister of Carrie. And yes, you have these telekinetic abilities. But even on the way there, we learn that like Barb is an unreliable, very unreliable narrator where she's like seeing people who aren't there and addressing them. Um, you know, she's got her rosary yeah. beads, her ever present rosary beads. And um, so she, you know, Sue eventually arrives to this party and then is killed almost immediately, which I did kind of appreciate. It's like, she's gone to all this trouble She's, like, trying to make up for the fact that she couldn't help Carrie or that what she did, like, spurred Carrie's reaction. And uh, mm -hmm. she arrives and she, like, literally is, like, I don't know why she's looking through the peephole the opposite way, but whatever. We have to ignore that. Um, she goes up to the door <laughs> at the same moment that Brad is running to the door and Rachel has activated, is it a javelin? I don't know. Is it a fireplace poker? I couldn't quite make out, like, what was... I assumed but it was a fireplace so, poker, but now that you ask, so I have no long. idea. I don't. <laughs> I know. So anyway, she uh, she um, telekinetically throws the fireplace poker at Brad, which simultaneously spears through his head and then through the door right into Sue Snell's head. So so she's yep. dead. Um, they're both kind of hanging off of the the ends of this thing, which is an effect that clearly doesn't work when the door is open as you find out later because it's like kind of sick i don't know it just doesn't look good um but her mom's fine barb's fine so barb goes in uh and you know sees the chaos and starts praying for her daughter um but yeah mm -hmm. and then it's just like crazy chaos and i guess like the whole time jesse is with tracy so he doesn't know this is going on uh and the chaos the chaos is fun and i think that like there are some cool things that mm -hmm. are happening there um like camera wise most of this has been like you know very stable and instead of doing like the same whirly thing that they do at the prom um they do that earlier in the movie but here instead of doing that it's all handheld and mm -hmm. a little shaky but there's a lot of still whirling around so it's like to me it looked a little bit more like a modern update to that idea i feel like there was a lot of thought to put into this by yeah. Kat Shay um, that I thought was really clever, but it's just, it's so silly. But yes, <laughs> you know, this is the fun part of the movie. Like this, it is pretty, for me. it is pretty fun. Um, and this just was like, also like another thing that took me at the, I was like, what is when Mark and Eric and uh, Monica go, um, they go into the dad's study, presumably to break into the gun cabinet, but it's actually like a sea fishing cabinet. I, yeah, <laughs> I don't harpoons. know. 
like what I guess because it's the summer house I maybe there's big game hunting at the lake I don't know um yeah and there's the aquarium <laughs> yeah. which like it's like Chekhov's aquarium right it's like Chekhov's gun as soon as I went it's in there break. I was like they're gonna explode <laughs> yeah. this aquarium like how long do I wait um yeah so that's instead of like a gun cabinet it's like a locked up like spears and spear guns and flare like flare I don't know and like all this yeah. sea fishing equipment which they have to break into mm -hmm. um to defend themselves against Rachel uh which uh, is you know is targeting them and she's coming down the hallway and they've got all of these weapons um and then there is this great I do love this moment this great moment where as Monica is preparing to shoot her <laughs> Rachel explodes her glasses, which I'm like, oh, oh, because the whole time I was like, oh, I was yeah. like, wait, is that popular girl wearing glasses? That doesn't track. Like, it definitely was not a thing right. for popular girls to wear glasses um, in 1999. No. And then that happened where her her glasses exploded and like made her die somehow, which I don't think would be the case. But whatever. Um, no. Ruined her eyes and blinded her. And I was like, oh. That's why she's wearing glasses. <laughs> yeah, I love I loved that kill, quote unquote. It doesn't make any sense, but I was like, eh, I guess like she shattered the glass straight through her eyes into her brain. Sure, whatever. Yeah, maybe it a works. shard cut the I don't know cut some specific artery, but um, yeah, or she just died. From also, like uh, turns a spear gun on Eric and castrates him, which is like such a cheesy, weird effect scene and i know it's meant to be like very cathartic like oh she stabbed his penis off but i was like oh that's so dumb <laughs> like it's yeah. super dumb it's super dumb but then like now because i watched this a few days ago it seems like le not less dumb but it just seems like oh that's what you do because i watched the new movie porno last uh, night i've not did seen you see it, that no. There's a lot of penis maiming, <laughs> of course, of yeah. course, right? So like, I don't know, everything else pales in comparison now. I'm like, that oh, mild. Well, you know, if you don't <laughs> maim, yeah, if you don't maim four penises. Do you even have a horror film, bro? <laughs> yeah, yeah, not at all. <laughs> uh, it's just like super shocking for the time, you know? So yeah. 1999, like doing that, like, whoa, shit. Um, it's just meant to be like a thing that teenagers would be like really reacting to. Um, yeah. Unfortunately, she gets distracted by her mom, I think, and then Eric shoots her with a flare, um, which wounds her, and she falls down. But then I think she, like, somehow... She falls in the pool, right? He, yeah, they both fall in the pool, and then she gets out and then closes the cover, and so Eric drowns um, in the pool. Which, like... Or Mark, sorry. I mean, here's, I'm mixing, here's them, how I'm mixing you... up my jerk oh, tracks. Mark drowns in the pool. Eric's already dead. Mark. Right. Which, like, Mark... Friendly advice, swim to the shallow end. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Pretty much everybody in the house is dead. I think a couple stragglers get out. Um, uh, her mom is there. Her mom. <laughs> There's a, also this weird, such a weird moment with her mom where she like cradles her but sees her as her younger daughter. And then when Rachel yeah. speaks, uh, flashes back to who she is now and then her mom's like you're not my daughter and then just gets up and leaves <laughs> yeah the whole thing it just like ends in pointlessness just, so where's barb i don't know she's wandering around the neighborhood now i nothing we don't know yeah. we don't get she... any follow-up on that it just 
That's Barb. Yep, she's just she's gone. gone. So basically, <sighs> Sue Snell brought her back for zero point. <laughs> like, there's been just as easily had Sue Snell be like, I have a hunch about this girl and like, you know, have Rachel's yeah. mom be dead and sift through records and find some sort of like birth yeah, certificate. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, there could have could there's no need. None of this was um, necessary. Yeah. So then, you know, at this point, uh, Jesse and Tracy finally show up and uh, and they get in the house and Tracy's like having to freak out, as you would if you saw all your friends murdered. Um, and then sure. I get, she, does she stab her with a bunch of glass bottles? I can't remember. I feel, I kind of felt like her murder should have been like more brutal but no, I think just yeah. like a piece of the house falls on her or something. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. It's it's house falling. Like she's yeah. And then yeah. Jesse, because at this point Rachel is like wounded, so she can't really. She's not a full like telekinetic capacity. She's still like lying there. Right. And so Jesse tries to save her, and then an even bigger part of the house falls on her, <laughs> and that's the end of Tracy. <laughs> and then Jesse goes upstairs to find Rachel, and Rachel is up at this point, and Rachel is like pretty determined to murder him. And then he, like, looks over and sees that this, I guess, the sex tape has just been looping the whole time, which, by the way, kids, is not a thing that VHS tapes can do. But cool, whatever. Nope. We'll just pretend like they can. Um, and realizes what happened and says, like, I didn't know they were taping me. I love you. And she's kind of, like, confused. Uh, and then, of course, because he did actually say that he loved her and these fucking jerk jocks forgot to cut that part out of the VHS tape. Mm-hmm. it's on the tape and so as soon as rachel hears that on the tape she i don't know why they had to have her rewind it three times yeah i know but, that was that felt yeah. very 90s too like <laughs> nope, hold up not just rewind it rewind it and zoom in which is also not a thing that vhs tapes can do nope. um so then she believes him but it's kind of too late because she's already telekinetically unscrewed like part of the roof to fall on him mm-hmm. and so right before it falls she jumps in front of him and pushes him out of the way and it falls on her yeah yeah and so she would you think she could just like <laughs> hold it up with her mind but let's not worry yeah about she it. doesn't i mean she at no point has any control over any of this stuff. like the murdering is she like she has yeah. some control over it but it's clear like she doesn't really know how to rein it in um yeah and so then he like tries to stay there with her to die with her and she ends up uh, telekinetically pushing him into the pool, which is suddenly below them again. Um, and so, <laughs> so police arriving, there's no wrap up. There's no anything. We just flash forward. I think it says like 12 months later, a year later. I don't remember. Um, and Jesse is in college with Walter, <laughs> the dog. Yeah, I know. I don't what know. What the hell? He's in his dorm room, his single dorm room with Walter, the dog, with his arm all burnt up from his experience. Um, right. And he has a picture of Rachel on his mirror. And then there's like this really weird, nonsensical scene with dream Rachel, um, which I, I mean, I'm sure they were trying to sort of mimic Sue's dream at the end of the De Palma carry, right? Where she dreams about going yeah. to Carrie's grave and like the hand shoots up and it's like this whole amazing scene. And this did not work that way. <laughs> Not at all. I don't know what, like, yeah, what, I don't know what we were supposed to get Yeah, so, that. like, he sees Rachel, she comes in this, through his window, and they kiss, and then she screams and disappears into, like, ash or, I don't know, broken, like, 
I, I don't know. Um, yeah. And then, like, the final shot of him being, like, scared, I feel like they, the only thing it was missing was, like, a... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, totally. You yes. know? Whoa, Walter. Like, they might as well. <laughs> might as well have just done that. Whoa! Uh, apparently, there's an alternate ending where instead of uh, disappearing into ash, she spits out a snake and it chokes him. It, like, jumps, jumps into what? his mouth and chokes him. Yeah. That's I, Yeah, it dumb. doesn't... What would that have to do know. with when anything? I know. When I saw that there was an alternate ending, I'm like, an alternate ending, like something different happens at the party? Oh, no. That's exactly the same. It's the alternate ending of his end, his, him in college. <laughs> uh, that doesn't make, I mean, that makes no sense. It, it would at least make a little bit more sense if there was like a thorny yeah. vine, like, you know, like I from know. her tattoo. Oh, brother. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't but know bringing, either. But bringing it back to, uh, I did mention that I felt like much of the dialogue was Raphael Maru, um, who also wrote Hackers, uh, doing like a hello fellow kids kind of situation because like some of these lines, yeah. especially no. Monica. So like at one point when Monica is talking to consoling Tracy, she says to her, you're caviar and she's cheese whiz. <laughs> I, yeah. Woo! Bad, bad comparison. What? Nobody would say that ever. No. Um, no. And then, like, uh, the scene where Monica is befriending Rachel at the mall, she, she says about Tracy, I think she's a Melrose Place super bitch. Um, yeah. Okay. Way that to work so in bad. current media, I guess. Yeah. Poorly, the way no one would, but okay. But so we've hit the, the end, end of the movie. movie, right? So we've talked about the movie. Um, we actually partially chose this movie because I, one, I have not seen Promising Young mm-hmm. Woman yet. Mm-hmm. I believe you mm-hmm. have. Yes, you have. Um, but I referenced to you when we were discussing what movie to pick next. I said, oh, someone on Twitter was saying this felt like a prototype for Promising Young Woman. As someone who's seen both, do you see that comparison as making Just... any sense? barely (laughs) okay Okay. like in the thinnest of connective tissue the very thinnest um because nothing about rachel is anything like cassie i mean outside of the revenge part but the, the thing that the thing is in this film rachel didn't wasn't intending any revenge until the very last 10 minutes when it was revealed that it was all a trick to her. So, I mean, um, just very, just, just barely. (laughs) Okay. So I will, I will file that under shrug. Sure. Yeah. I mean, you could, (laughs) I'm sure there's many movies that you could say that about, but like the rage Colin the rage, we did it. To... Um, I'll, I'll, I'll say this. Yeah. I'll say this. This movie, this movie is not it's great. It's not great. I enjoyed it, but it's not great. Um, another movie that's not great, yeah. but I loved, is Cat Shay's Oh, yeah. Which I watched last weekend. Um, the editing mm-hmm. is a nightmare. Like, it is mm-hmm. horrifying, this movie. Like, it just clips, clips, clips. Um, and it's got, it's, it's got a, its own problematic things. I mean, it's got strippers. Mm-hmm. It's in the 80s. You know, go in knowing <laughs> it's not perfect. But I had a lot of fun yeah. with it. 
it's you know it's a um there's a killer killing strippers and then a undercover cop lady has to oh, become a stripper <laughs> it's it's you know if you can if you go in knowing what you're gonna see i think you can have a lot of fun well with it. we will we will definitely get to some other cat shay uh genre movies at some point we'll have to um and i will if you ever have to listen to this we know that this had to be a challenge and i'm looking forward to listening to your commentary someday and learning more about that uh and we're gonna check out your other yes. stuff because we're all about the the women directors on this podcast hell yeah and yeah the, you, the rage maybe isn't the most like tidy movie but cat you did a badass job with it yeah, and I mean, job. you know what? Like, it is still a, f a fun-ish watch. Uh, I hope that uh, me relating the fact that the the jerk <laughs> jerk jocks were uh, based on a real story didn't uh, didn't taint it too much for you. But honestly, like I said, like that's just a thing that is in society that I feel like everybody needs to be aware of. And um, yep, you know, it, it does make me th these kind of details make me think about and respect a movie like this a little bit more than if I hadn't known those things. So, yeah. Absolutely. It's yeah. all a journey, my friends. <laughs> yep. Yeah, and every movie is just another step. Yeah. But, I mean, I know one thing is true. The patriarchy yeah. can get fucked. <laughs> Always. I'm really Absolutely. shocked that we haven't had any. Oh, this is just indicative of the fact that we have 18 whole listeners, probably. But uh, <laughs> haven't had any hate comments yet. Haven't had any bros coming for us. Maybe they're just too frightened of how awesome. That's we probably are. it. They're probably just worried I, yeah. that we have telekinetic powers or something. <laughs> I, I'm waiting for them to develop. I'm looking around like all the lights are still on. I don't know why. <laughs> I can still see. <laughs> I know. I, I need to get a fish tank. That'll fix it. <laughs> yes. All right, y'all. Yep. Until next time. Three. <laughs> Fuck the patriarchy. Fuck the patriarchy. Bye.